This is Jedi Apprentice Darren Varson, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because to listen is the path to the dark side. I'm Ardith, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Dave, the Raptor flies tonight. Down with the Empire! Execute Order 66. Good Sunday morning, Saturday, Sunday. Today is Sunday. Doggone it, man. I'm just all screwed up. I'm headed to Birmingham, and we're doing our podcast a little early. And Anyway, this is Sunday. Sunday, 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 June 8th, 2008. This is GM Dave, and this is episode number 21 of the Order 66 podcast. As always, with me, GM Chris. How are you, sir? I am good, man. What is up, Gamer Nation? I am GM Chris, and uh, I am still kind of waking yeah. up uh, this morning because my um, <clears throat> my cohort in crime apparently has real life like infringing on yeah. the podcast. You know, yeah. you know, take a plane out of town this afternoon. So uh, we thought we would uh, not deprive you guys of a cast this week and get it done bright and early, and maybe even get it posted bright and early. Bruh. And um, yeah, so it, uh, it it definitely is. It's been an interesting weekend, Dave. Wouldn't you say? I'd say so. Friday night was the second installment of the alternate universe campaign that we have had so many requests for on the forum. So before we put up our big text uh, rendition of what happened, I think we're going to be talking about it here. A little bit, a little bit. I I, I kind of got to say I haven't had um, a session that kept me up till four thirty in the morning for a very <laughs> long time. It was fun. I mean, though. like not since college. Yeah, and um, that was it. Was it was interesting? You reach a point where you're so tired, um, but then all of a sudden you're you know it, it, it's like three it's three o'clock and you're okay. Well, you guys want to stop? You know, and you're just like no, no. Let's just keep going, man. Let's just keep going. I'm just so tired. Oh, but it, but I'm not but I'm not tired at all now. It's just yeah. And we knew it, the boss fight was coming, and you know. Yeah, it it was it was definitely fun, but um, I gotta say I I don't know I I, I never really uh, expected kind of a response at least from the community regarding uh, one of my campaigns, uh, which is kind of odd, and I really don't want to choke up the show too much with it, but it has some good relevance to some stuff we're going to be talking about today, so we thought it apropos to uh, spend a little bit of time on it. Yes, absolutely, and we'll get to some other things as well, and we're going to talk about. Uh, We've got a couple of pieces of mail. We've got a few questions. We've got uh, what we've got an announcement to make, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about Threats of the Galaxy. A little bit, yes. Um, <clears throat> and then end up, of course, with D20 Docking Bay, where we have a really good question that relates to some material in Threats of the Galaxy. So we'll get there. But first off, Dave, I think um, I managed to, it was actually Thursday or Friday, um, I was able to get past some, some Imperial blockade patrols one day and just get down to my postal box, and um, I did happen to find a postcard from our good friend, well, Commander Cody. did you now? I did. Well, hold on. Because what? we have an announcement first. Okay. Fourth edition is out. 
Oh yeah, that's right. Duh. Oh yeah, my my books just shipped. That's awesome. Um, that's right. Fourth edition D and D is out. All this podcast is not about D and D. We are gamers, and a lot of us enjoy D and D. And of course, anyone who's up on the up and up knows that uh, Saga was pretty much the playground sandbox testing for Fourth Edition D and D. So, although few of us have had a chance to play it, few of us, although many of us, some of us have. Um, if you like Saga, you will probably like D and D. Probably. That's at least the word on on the street on the hizzle on the on the hizzle shizzle. For Rizzle, you know. That's right. Um, and if you are fans of Fourth Edition or would like to learn more about Fourth Edition, Dave, what uh, can our good listeners do? Well, they can pop on over to D20 Radio and hit the link for Homlet.com, which is our sister podcast, Radio Free Homlet. Uh, they can obviously go to our forums, D20Radio.com slash forum. We do have a hom- Radio Free Homlet discussion and a D&D section of the discussion boards dedicated to that. And So you may satisfy all your jocular edification when it comes to fourth edition D and D right there. Yeah, it's pretty good. They have their second uh, second episode up right now, which de- which actually details play notes, because uh, Keep on the Shadowfell, the first module, actually came out before the right. game was even released with, with just some quick start rules to play. And um, they've got a wonderful review and critique of it. Um, and if you really, really want to find out more about what fourth edition's about, you can do so. So, Radio Free Homlet, check it out. Check it out, baby. Check Check it out, baby. Well, now that we've covered that and gone past my uh, production faux pas, <laughs> I have a postcard in my hand from our good friend Commander Cody. You lose, huh? I do. I do. Oh. This um, this is kind of a, an elegant card stock postcard. It, it's a it's a weave of, of sort of white and carnelian fibers, and there's really wispy letters making out the name Bespin, and uh, it, it it reads. <clears throat> Welcome to Cloud City, where you will find serenity and pleasure among the clouds. Mmm, sounds delicious. Let's see what it has to say. From across the galaxy, it's time for Postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dave and GM Chris, all right, this cramped in a cargo hold. My squad and I have been waiting for days now. We arrived with the retinue of Darth Vader, that Nancy boy, last week here on Bespin. Any soldier who knows his way around a turbo laser knows what Tabana gas is and how it's used in blaster manufacture. Well, this gas joint is rich with it. There's no land surface to speak of, except for an uninhabitable metal core, like most worlds of this type. That hasn't stopped gas miners from flocking to the place, though. Mostly to hug to a facility where we've arrived at, Cloud City. The administrator here was none too happy to see old Helmet Head either. <laughs> but when you got the might of the Imperial Army at your back, what are you gonna do? Well, we explored the city long enough to bring it to order and remove certain criminal elements. It's truly a beautiful place, except for the vile and ugly little ugnaughts that infest it. As it stands, though, we've been moved into hiding until several enemies of the Empire arrive, then we can take them into custody. I'm learning all about gas mining, and even more about the Ugnaughts. Well, I understand their homeworld is far from here, and there's probably not any of the Ugs left on it. Most of them live and work here, and there's rumors that further down in the clouds, below sensor range, there's a mystical artificial planet crust, home to more of the pig-like critters. <laughs> At least that's what they tell each other. Who knows? Well, I've got 
repairs has just landed, and that smooth talking administrator's gone to create it. I think it's just about showtime. I'll write you guys soon. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Well. Mm. That was a bit. That was a, That was okay. Cloud City. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, have you? Have you? Have you? Uh, have you been to Cloud City? No, never have. But you know. Well, yeah, I understand. It's a very beautiful place. Yeah, might go there one day. Yeah. All right, man. Very good. Oh, you know what? I meant to. Mm. I meant to fire this off during the announcements, but you know. I think maybe during mail call would be a good idea. Next. Okay. Are we ready to get into real mail call? Oh, I guess. Yeah, why not? All right, scumbag, pay attention. It's time for mail call. All right, after several podcasts of calling, calling, calling? What the calling. hell? Am I from New York all of a sudden? Well, I think a New Yorker would probably be ashamed at that pseudo accent you just did. But I didn't mean we'll, to. We'll, we'll roll with it. Okay. I didn't mean to, man. I'm gonna have to put myself in some <laughs> kind of tournament. All right. Enough with the Karate Kid. Anyway, after many, many episodes of trying to uh, entice Twilight goodness out of her hole with some manner of something, we finally got some. Did you now? Yeah. How about this? This is Twilight Goodness, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast with my clothes on. Oh! Yowza. Oh! Yowza. Ah, but uh, we're still we're still waiting for the picture. We are. I and, think we'll be waiting you know, on that. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be, uh, I'll be getting hate mail again. Some guy's going to tell me that he can't, uh, he can't ever let his wife listen to the show. As we talk about women, sometimes or the, or the French. Speaking of hate oh, mail. Oh, speaking of hate mail, that's right. I received, um, and I don't, I, I don't know if this was real or not. If I if, if I pissed off Frenchmen, then you know, great, wonderful, because one of them actually sent me some email, and um, I, I really doubt it because all the French really do are surrender. So uh, <laughs> one actually. Uh, one actually taking issue and making a proactive stance uh, against the uh, against the perceived, uh, what would you call it, deprecation of the French? I guess. Well, what did the email say? Had to have been a French-Canadian. You know. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, it was from a gentleman named, or calling himself, Jean-Pierre. Okay. And he took issue with the fact that I uh, went through the rules of French warfare you know, number one, you know, the French only win when they're not led by a Frenchman. Number two, they only win when America does most of the fighting. And number three, they only win when they fight themselves. <laughs> okay. Okay. And um, and then this, this leads to him writing me basically that uh, without the French, the Americans would never have our birthday celebration, as he calls it, America's mm. birthday. And uh, you know, and that's that's all well and good. You know, well, he's got a point. You know, without the French, we know we honestly would not have won block. our our little our little rebellion against the uh, the might of the British Empire. Or at least it wouldn't have ended as early as it did. You're right. You're right. You're right. I, and I believe it. I, you know, they did help out. But rule. I think we I think we kind of made up the favor though, don't you? Well, number. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, you know, I'm bringing this up. Actually, 
brings up the fourth rule, or actually not the fourth rule, but the first rule of French diplomacy. Ah. Uh. Is that never make a bargain with the French that you're not willing to pay for over and over again. <laughs> so there you go, Jean-Pierre. Why don't you send me another tidbit and we'll talk about it. Please do, Jean-Pierre. Lay into him. If you are Jean-Pierre and you do exist and you are French, I love it. And I would love you to inundate this man with as much crap as you possibly can. It's beautiful. Thank I you. love the Blue Blanc and Rouge. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, we have a couple of phone calls uh, if you'd like to play oh. them. They're actually both from GM Brev because uh, he's leveling up his character and had a couple of questions. Oh, and he called the loser line. God bless you, Brev. That's right. Lay him on me, dude. All right, here's number one. Okay, hey, it's GM Brev calling back. I have another question for you guys. Uh, doing some leveling up and uh, helping out another friend of ours in the campaign. And he is thinking about cross-factioning into a different uh, class. And wondering, when it comes to the fortitude, reflex, and will defenses, which ones do you choose then? Do you just get the best ones, or do you get the one that only pertains to the new class that you're in, or what? I know they don't stack, so you wouldn't automatically get, you know, plus four to something, or if you're Scoundrel and Jedi, or Scout and Scoundrel, or something like that. But do you take the best? Do you take the worst? Or do you just cry and go home and uh, throw down your dice, flush all your minis, and just quit the game altogether? and move over to Star Trek. So, uh, I don't know if there could be any of those answers. Thanks, guys. Bye. Star Trek. Uh, you know, you can move to Star Trek if you want. It sure was a complicated game, at least the officially published one for TNG. And I love the fact that Brev is first and foremost a mini player. talks about cross-factioning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, to answer your question, Brev, when you are cross-classing, I do believe we've covered this before, um, but we'll gladly cover it again. Right. You do take the best class bonus to a particular defense. You don't add them. Uh, so, for instance, if you have one level in Scoundrel and one level in Noble, uh, you would obviously one one class has a plus one to will defense, one class has a plus two. Uh, you would obviously, uh, and also one class has a plus one to reflex, and one class has a plus two. You would obviously have a plus two in will and reflex, taking the best from each one of those classes. Yep, so, right. Oh, yeah, we had a question about that before. Yeah. Yeah, that was several but episodes gl- ago. Glad to answer it again, guys. Please don't, please, uh, you know, uh, we, we we get a lot. Of, this is a good point. We get a lot of new listeners into the cast. I mean, we get people all the time that are joining the forums repeatedly, which you can join at uh, www.d20radio.com/forum. And uh, you know, there's 21 episodes out there. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, we have one of our moderators, um, Darren Varson, right now working on a, a compiled FAQ, but that's a that's a task that gets harder and harder by the day. And until then, don't please don't be afraid to ask questions. If, you know, oh, God, I wonder if they've covered it before. Don't worry about that. Redundancy is only there for those with egos, which right. we don't have pretty much. We, no. you know, so l- lay it on. Lay it on. Yeah, absolutely. We don't mind. Because it was, it was probably, what, six, seven, eight episodes ago that we talked about that. And that's one of the most frequently asked questions that we get is stacking yeah. modifiers, you know, or taking the best. And... So yeah, it's a it's a point of contention. Now, I played a second question first because that was the easy one to get out of the way. Oh, yeah, another question. Okay, go yes, ahead. Let's uh, take a look. Hey guys, it's GM Brev, and I have a question for GM Chris uh, and GM Dave. I am looking at you know just leveling up my character and getting an idea of plan for the future, and I really like the uh, Force Adept uh, 
the characters. I like some of the talents in there that you can choose from. However, it says that you need to have at least three forced talents, and it references page 100. Now, does that only have those talents from the four, from uh, Control, Sense, Alter, and Dark Side talents? Or can that also be from the Jedi Counselor or uh, Guardian, that sort of stuff, but the one back in the Jedi section? So uh, just uh, trying to get some clarification there and uh, having trouble getting you guys on the phone. So, you know, I feel the love. Anyway, uh, talk to you guys later. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. Now, he actually (laughs) did get a hold of me on the phone, and I told him that my first impression was that he could use those out of the Jedi. And then all of a sudden I remembered the question, and he kind of answered it in the question that the Force talents are Force talents and the Jedi are Jedi class talents. You are correct, sir. Force talents, which are what you got to have for the prereqs for uh, the Force Adept, um, are strictly talents from the Force chapter in the book, which is why it references page 100. So strictly, they are talents from the Altar, Control, Sense, Dark Side, and the Dathomiri Witch and Jen Sarai talent trees that are in the Force chapter of the Core Rulebook. Only talents from there, pretty much. And uh, if you want more, you guys want more detail on the Force Adept Pre Stage class, you can uh, pop up episode 19. We'll be going to that pretty good. And uh, Brev's love of it and fascination with it, especially considering the character he's making, I think is rather fitting. And uh, I really hope he goes that route. Yo, righto. Righto. All right. Excellent. Well, um, I have one uh, paper question, I guess you could say. Ah. Um, this was from Lord Anthony, uh, one of our newer members on the forums. Lord. And he had a pretty good question. He posted it up. He said, Hi, guys. Uh, I'm a newbie player, GM, who is very, very, very new to Star Wars Saga Edition, uh, the RPG, because I watched the movie since I was like four. Wait. and mm-hmm. Newbie GM is great. I love it when these newbies decide that they want to get into GMing because a lot of people are scared of it. You better believe it. There's no better way to learn. You got balls, Lord Anthony. Good for you. Especially, he says right after that, he's new to tabletop role-playing in general. Wow. Um, he played some D&D 3.5 for about three days before he got into Star Wars. And uh, he has a question about NPC bad guys. He's running Dawn of Defiance, which is Wizards of the Coast, you know, officially licensed modules that are out right now right. for free download on their website. Yep. And I'm wondering about how the system handles multiple enemies. If I remember correctly, the DM could only run two baddies per bad guy turn. Is this the same restriction in Saga? Oh. I'm unsure because I haven't been able to find anything like this in the core book. But some of the things in games, such as... Uh, that thing about how you could roll initiative for the officer and his squad separately. I'm unsure about how to rule this, and any help would be great. Okay. Um, I think you may have be thinking, or, or, or someone who's taught you has been thinking about maybe Star Wars minis, Anthony, um, because activating two bad guys per turn, or two units per turn, is, is, a, is a minis right. thing. Yep. Um, uh, there's nothing really like that in D&D 3.5. In fact, the rules in D&D 3.5 for NPC initiatives are pretty much the same as they are in Star Wars Saga Edition. It's not ever really clearly laid out in the book. There's, there's no straight ruling I could find in the core rulebook about how specifically a GM is supposed to run initiative for his NPCs. Um, it's pretty much, though, the way it's done for PCs, and I can share with you some options um, as well as my preferred method. I've gamed with some GMs, um, and this is, well, others will say this is the way it should be done, that will roll initiative for every single enemy NPC on the table. And to be quite frank, I think if you have less than, you know, if you only have two or three enemy enemies on the table, I think you should do that. Um, they're different entities, they act differently, um, and to do otherwise would give them, uh, it would either hamper or help them uh, in a way that the PCs can't match. However, this can get confusing. 
Um, so I've seen some GMs that will roll initiative, uh, one initiative, for all the bad guys based on the highest one's initiative modifier. So all the bad guys go on one turn. I, see, I don't know, Dave. I, I think that's a little silly. Um, I think it goes against the rules and the CL balance of all the enemies you're fighting. Right. Okay. Myself, I roll initiative for, you know, I, if there's only a couple, a couple enemies on the board, each one gets their own initiative. But I will often roll initiative for groups of baddies. So if, if a group of NPCs, uh, which this is very important, they have to have the same initiative modifier, I will treat it as one roll and have them act together. So like all of my basic stormtroopers, for example will probably move on one initiative. So if I got ten stormtroopers out on the map, two stormtrooper captains, a dark Jedi, a Rancor, and a Droidica, all the stormtroopers will probably go on one initiative. Okay, The captains will get their own roles. Okay? Uh, the BBEGs and, and bosses, you know, like our, our dark Jedi, you know, or, or you know, the, uh, the Droidica, they would get their own role. Bottom line, there's no concrete rule. Go with what works best for you. But you mentioned you're a starting GM. You're, you're a, as you say, a noob GM. <clears throat> I would definitely try and make it easy on yourself and do whatever uh, you can do to make it run smoothly. It can often be a really daunting task to keep track of a lot of initiative. A couple things I can recommend. If you're interested in spending some money uh, and getting a good supplement, if you go, uh, Paizo.com has an initiative tracker, which can be used for any system. And it's literally a dry erase board with magnets that you can uh, just sort of literally just put put various people in initiative order, move them around as you need to, slide them left and right to determine whether they've acted in initiative. It's a really great resource. It's about 20 bucks. You can find it at Paizo.com. Or a lot of GMs go for the cheap route. I do this in my current game. Literally, man, index cards. Make an index card for each one of your PCs. And hey, you can even put pertinent stats on it for them. Aww. And make an index card for your bad guys. And when it comes time, just literally file them in initiative order after you've rolled. And you can just cycle through them as the game goes on. Really great tip, really great tool. A lot of people do it. Something you might find that works for you. Um, but either way, man, I agree with Dave. Um, I'm glad you're picking up the reins of the GM. Somebody's got to do it. Um, I was GM not too long after I first started learning how to play, and uh, I, I highly recommend it. So good for you, man. You got some big brass ones. Let us know if you need any, any other questions, need any other help. As do I. Sorry about my phone going off in the background. I hope you heard it. Oh, I didn't hear it. Good. But they may have. But my ears are kind of plugged, so. Oh, speaking of that, man, dude, on my way to try and find some good pharmaceuticals to try and help with my head cold, I um I, I figured I might go you know on the other side of the border where things are a little cheaper. So I, I took I took my uh, my freighter out to Tatooine, and I paid a little visit to my buddy Watto. Did you now? I did. All right. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. What do you know? And just so you guys know, I have some chance cubes. Yeah. No, honest to God, I really have some chance cubes online, Dave. I found some beautiful replicas. They are not plastic. They they look exactly like Watto's chance cubes from episode one. Really? And I'm going to be ordering a small mess of them. 
And um, I, I believe offering them up for prizes and contests in the community is a, going to be a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. What the hell? Awesome. So, uh, very cool, very cool. But I came back from Waddles with something pretty freaking spiffy, man. Look at this. Check Ooh. this out. Check this out. Oh, another illegal thing. Yes, it's a very little illegal thing. This is a data dagger. Um, and this is uh, from uh, Threads of the Galaxy, one of the books, uh, the book we're going to be discussing today. And um, this simple, but as you mentioned, highly illegal weapon, um, it really looks simple. Here, take a look. It's, it's a really elaborate and rather decorative code cylinder. <laughs> Uh-huh. But uh, you see here, right here, right here, when you twist the hilt in the right way, a needle-like blade extends from the code cylinder socket. Oh, yes. it's like the scepter. Yes, the scepter. Oh, God, more last starfighter. More last starfighter. Meteor gonna fire. <laughs> well, for 500 credits, this tiny hidden weapon can be as perfect as, as a last resort or a holdout weapon or, or better yet, for the assassin who likes that close-up kill. Um, it, it is kind of uh, kind of small, obviously, and it doesn't. I mean, it only does a D4 of damage, like a dagger. Um, and it weighs about a tenth of a kilo, so it's not spectacular. But it, it provides a, a plus five bonus to any stealth checks made to conceal the fact that it's a weapon. And uh, you know, if you're in a situation where you got to get close to somebody, or an NPC has to get close to somebody, and you know, there's no way you're going to be able to smuggle a weapon in or shoot from afar, this might be the best thing. And uh, so there's some pretty wicked assassin builds out there that are made with, you know, soldier levels. There's, there's a couple in Threats of the Galaxy where, you know, soldier levels taking, you know, devastating attack in, uh, in uh, simple weapons, you know, such as daggers and such. And that also works for an unarmed strike. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good martial artist assassin builds out there. It's, uh, anyway, it's one more tool to add to the repertoire, so to speak. All right. And uh, it's pretty spiffy, and plus it looks really cool. It's a little, you know, you, know, you can just sit there, you know, and you're, uh, you know, just and just kind of just push the little spike in and out, in and out, in and out, and it's 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 kind of wicked, you know, kind of like, you know, playing with a katana, you know, or any other like little weapon you buy at the fair, you know, it's pretty nice. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Not that I'm smitten with it or anything, but in any event, right? It's the data dagger. It's there. It's cool. All right, cool. So let's actually, you know what? Hmm. Before we talk about the minutia of the game, what, um, oh, golly, I thought I was going to go through the whole show without a big, uh, but I uh, blew it. Doggone it. Great job. Oh, poser. I know. I'm a hoser. I'm a hoser. <laughs> Meh. Meh. Pfft. Bah. So you want to talk about our game now, or do you want to talk about the incident in the game that caused a potential GGBD. GGGB. Oh, let's get it out of the way. Oh, really? Yeah, let's talk about it. All right, well. Whatever you say. When good games go bad. Did we have railroading from GM Chris? Could it be true? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe, 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 maybe. Um, I got your back. Oh, uh, I don't think you should. But okay, no, uh, no, we no. had a situation come up in in my my home game that I'm running, the Alternate Universe campaign, which we had our second session of on on Friday, and emotions ran high, um, and one of the players got a little angry at me. Um, in particular, Twi'let Goodness, who is playing a noble, who is kind of heading towards the Buffer McBuffinstein treat injury route, right? Um, 
and she basically i mean you you guys can head to the uh, head to the forums to read kind of the write up on this but uh, bottom line is um the pcs were stuck in a real, really what i guess would be what would you call it dave a, a horror uh, session it almost? was it was kind of a yeah it really was friday the 13th freddy-esque and I, I kind of wanted to bring that in, but more or less, the PCs end up on a, uh, a research station that has taken bad, bad damage, orbiting the planet of Taurus. And those of you who may have played the Knights of the Old Republic uh, video game can probably recall Taurus and some of the interesting things that went on there. In particular, the research scientists of the station uh, had done a little bit of digging in the Undercity and uncovered a virus um, and a counteragent. And those of you familiar with KOTOR are probably familiar with the Rack Ghouls, and that's pretty much what he discovered. Yep. And of course... We arrived 28 days later. Yeah, pretty much. They, they arrive, you know, uh, several days later, and uh, things have gone out of hand, Resident Evil style, and literally there's all these rat ghouls kind of running around the station. Well, after, you know, a harrowing search through darkened tunnels and trying to hack into computers to try and find out what's gone wrong, and they finally end up, find themselves uh, ending up in a, uh, a sort of blockaded room where three survivors have managed to, to hole up. And uh, as they enter the room, there's uh, one survivor, human male, who's shaking uh, just out of pure fear. Uh, there's a small Rodian girl in the corner who's with them. And then the survivor's male survivor's wife, who is covered by a blanket. She's pale. She's starting to lose her hair. She's sweating, shaking uncontrollably. She's got a vicious bite on her arm. And the players have learned at this point that, of course, what the, what the rat ghoul disease is, what it does. And um, they know that she's about to turn. And this is where, I guess, Dave... You know, perhaps you can elaborate. The, the it started to go a little wrong. Um, Twi'lek, goodness, got a little angry at me because playing her character, uh, she whips out a med kit, her her medical kit, and moves over to the uh, the injured woman and, and wants to try and, and and heal her or at least prevent the stop stop the spread of the disease for the time being. And this is this is where it really comes to a head, kids. When do you stray from your planned game as a GM? And when do you, in order to sacrifice, you know, player development and player creativity? In the module that I had written, um, basically right after they would enter, um, one round after they got past the, uh, the, the crazy NPC uh, who was blocking the path, um, this woman would turn and she would attack the nearest target, preferably human, if it was available. Um, however... Twi'lek and this fellow were right there and literally when she turned I just rolled a random die to see who she would attack and she went after Twi'lek goodness and Twi'lek got kind of angry at me for it she said you know why did you do that I mean honestly I mean you know I don't think if I would have seen her turning I would have run up to her you know you, you put me right next to her you know I mean if I'd known she was going to turn I, I don't think I would have uh, been right up on her like that and you know I mean if I was right up on her like that wouldn't if I had a, I have had a chance to treat injury and maybe stop the spread of her disease keep her from transforming just a bit and um she felt a little bit railroaded by that so what do you think Dave uh my personal impression was that we did have just a little bit of time for her to go get a med pack and turn back to go to the woman. Now, later on in the, uh, what is it? Later on in the, in the I was going to say instance, but in the campaign, <laughs> <laughs> we find it, it's explained that once you turn, you can't ever go back. And I, and I really think she was more upset about the fact of not being able to have a, chance to heal her because she kept going on after the, after the transformation she still wanted to heal 
and yeah, that was that was what really impressed me about that was the fact that okay, she I mean she turns into a rackle, she bites her, all right, and even then the noble says, you know, okay, well, okay, initiative starts and it's her turn. She's like, okay, I want to try and heal her. I, I want to try and you know, I've got I've got this med kit in my hands. Let me let me try and you right. know, she's just she's turned, but she you know, she didn't know that at the time. But um, I, I was actually very impressed by that decision. Right. Yeah, we all played our character sometimes to a fault, and she was upset about the fact that you couldn't and then later in the ep- le- episode golly i'm telling you later it was on an episode the, it was an episode later on in the adventure basically we we found out or we were told that once the transformation occurs it is irreversible so it didn't yes. matter at that point what happened and the soldier i think the soldier came over and killed the the rat ghoul and or you know what used to be the woman and that was fine but I think, moreover, I don't think she would have been upset had the Wookiee not killed her droid earlier. <laughs> well, I think that's a totally different issue. And Tulek was telling us after the game, she's like, you know, no, I really, she says, I wasn't upset about that. My character was upset about that, but I really wasn't. I was just really shocked and taken aback by it. And in this game, guys, Dave is playing a, a Wookiee named Solura, which is a Shuri Wook for, what is it, uh, Storm Warrior? Something like that, yeah. And uh, his big thing is his, his, I guess, character flaw. His main thing is that he has an utter hatred of droids. Uh, Any droid, droid with a weapon. Any droid with a weapon. Because he will droid, attack on sight. Because a droid he, killed his father right in front of him. Exactly. So he can't. You know, I mean, he doesn't, doesn't much care for droids in general. But if there's a droid with a weapon, he'll he'll go after him immediately. Well, Twi'leks playing her character rather creatively, and y'all are fighting in the previous encounter a group of raccoons. She's got some stun grenades. She launches one. And at the same time, when it's a droid's turn, she says, you know, hey, um, throw this and uh, it, t- take a grenade and, and launch it. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a protocol droid, you know, Twi'lek, uh, you really can't, uh, I mean, he's not, you know, he he can't harm sentient beings. She's like, I know, it's a stun grenade. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, you got me there. So uh, literally, I'm like, okay, well, he's not proficient. He'll take massive penalties. You know, that's fine. So in any event, uh, the droid grabs a stun grenade off of her bandolier and lobs it and actually does decent damage with it, um, despite the massive penalties. And um, the very next round, <laughs> Dave's Wookiee uh, grabs his Vibrorax, takes two steps over to the droid, and cleaves it in half uh, with its uh, nine reflex defense and two hit points. And uh, I, I don't know, she seemed a little taken aback by that, Dave. Right. Well, I mean, last episode, she tried to have the droid do the same thing. And that, that time, I, I spoke up and I said, if you have your droid attack, my Wookiee will kill him. And so she didn't have him attack. This time, I was, I, was, I was in the back of my mind. I was like, should I tell her? Should I tell her? I'm like, she's got to think about the fact that last adventure, you know, she's, she's got to know. Because I, I know the didn't. backstories <laughs> of all my... You know of all the characters and 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 such. You know, we, and so, we were in the midst of combat. It's hard to keep all that stuff, you know. Yeah, I, su- I suppose so. And I, I mean, per- from a personal standpoint, I feel bad. I I didn't want to kill her droid, but I I have wanted to, to play your character. I have to play my character. Otherwise, you I don't know. You might not. You may have penalized my XP because I wasn't playing my character. Well, I don't know about that, but I did give you bonus XP because you played your character. Yeah. That's true. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. I, I and, and, and you bring up a really good point. And this is this is kind of the other thing. When you're talking about game mechanics, game balance, and the flow of a good game, and what you have planned versus 
character development and playing your character. And this is really an issue that's still the same crux of it. I think she was totally taken aback by it. She was just shocked as hell. And trust me, Dave, she's not going to forget again. <laughs> right. How your character responds to droids, most likely. Um, and I know you feel terribly awful about it, but you were playing your character. And the same way she was playing her character in the situation with the Rat Ghoul. And as a GM, this is, you know, I've been GMing for a long time. And every every session, every game, I always learn something new. It's a process. You never stop learning. You never stop growing. You never stop becoming a better GM. In retrospect, had I given her the opportunity to at least attempt to slow the spread of this virus, to at least attempt to uh, recognize the, the change in this woman without, you know, just kind of putting her in that no-win scenario – I would have preferred to have done that, but as it was, I was it was fast paced. We were in the middle, you know, of of, of an adventure. Right. It was probably what one thirty in the morning at that point, right? And I, I was going by the mod I had written. Yeah, I, I suppose in in hindsight, you could have you could have allowed for you know her. She had to make a DC forty to be able to. I don't know. Oh, it was pretty high as it was, man. I mean, I, I've got the stacks for the Rat Ghoul virus up, right. actually, and, and when I'll be posting those along with the campaign synopsis, I really, actually, I'll probably be posting them in the in the B section. I really would like people to have access to the Rat Ghouls I right. created. I went ahead and kind of transferred them over from RCR stats to Saga, and um, I, you know, it, it, it would have been very tough. But had she succeeded in accomplishing it, I mean, that would have been a very rewarding thing. And um, you know, honestly, uh, and this is something else that that kind of comes up. I believe. And one of the reasons I love this system so much is that you should be able to defeat an encounter most of the time through as much use of skill as you can through use of force. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's why in my encounters I always try to put a way for a skillful character to use skill checks to influence the encounter. Um, Whether it be, you know, making use computer checks to activate a security system, you know, during an encounter. Uh, whether it be, you know, there's a, an environmental hazard going on at the same time that, you know, the mechanic or the slicer would need to, would need to go at. Well, a treat injury check to spread that, to stop the spread of that virus for a brief period of time, um, the advancement of that disease in the, in the character, I mean, that would have been along the same vein, in my opinion. And uh, I, I think that would have been perfectly acceptable in hindsight. Right. So, live and learn. Yeah. Live and learn. But there you go. Sorry. There you go. So, uh, what do you? What, what about you overall, Dave? What were your impressions of, uh, of Friday's game? What do you think could have been done better? What did you enjoy? Uh, I like the I like the uh, the whole little horror aspect of it. It was it was it was different for Star Wars. Uh, yeah, I don't do it very often. I thought you guys might get a kick out of that. Yeah, it, it was different. I um, I thought the boss fight at the end was a little bit aggressive, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I, you know, well, for one fact, for one thing, I mean, my Wookiee charged and was able to get a hit on this dark Jedi whatever thing. Spend a destiny point for an auto crit. I had 72 points of damage on the table. So, yeah, I was a little I was a little upset that she was able to block a 29 or whatever it was. Uh, you, yeah, you, you had a 29 to hit, and she yeah. made her use the force check to block it, spent a force point, and managed to do so. Right. But you can block, and we, we actually did cover this in a prior yeah. podcast, you can block um, a, a an attack where a destiny point has been spent, because all it does is just give you a natural 20 on the die. Oh, right, right. No, no, that's, fine. that's fine. I just, uh, I just I didn't think about, 
I didn't think I had. I would have used a force point to make it like a thirty-three or something like that, just to make it instead, a little harder. instead of a destiny point. Yeah, but at the same time, that was an amazing. You, you guys are spending. I mean, we had three destiny points spent in that final battle. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the girl still didn't take, not even, probably what thirty-five, maybe forty percent of of the damage on that. I mean, there was just there was no way to defeat that encounter. Basically, there was. It was in my mind that there was. It would, no it would way. have been. It would have been very difficult. The problem right. was that particular that particular BBEG was was going to flee at half of her hit points, period. Oh. And so once she was in the act of fleeing, I mean, when, trust me, I mean, honestly, if you guys want to leave an encounter, I mean, you, you can. You know what I mean? There's not nothing to stop right. you from running away. Sure. Um, so it, you know, she had all the tools she needed to. And, God, you guys were playing so well. I was so impressed with the level of teamwork. Brev mentioned this, the level of teamwork that I saw between all the, between the six of you. Um, you know, you were all working together. Uh, you know, a tweet like goodness ran to go block off the door of uh, the, the, the means of egress to keep the BBEG from escaping. But, of course, you know, she uh, was trained in acrobatics and literally tumbled right through her square. Um, Stuff like that, and you guys did manage to. Although she wasn't the real threat in the game, her, the the package she was trying to abscond with from that research lab was. And I was going to leave it up in the air as to whether or not you guys were able to secure that or destroy it, or I let her leave with it. And you managed to destroy it, which I thought was pretty darn cool. As she was going out the door. As she was going out the door. Yeah. And who was it? Who was it who hit it? Was it was it Oren the uh, the Bothan? He was. I believe. A, yeah, he was, and and didn't. I mean, did he use a destiny point to hit? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. He used a destiny point to actually hit that tiny object. Yeah, it was hilarious. He's like, "Can I? Can I hit the? Can I hit the crowd pack she's carrying?" I said, "Well, that'd be really hard. You know, it's got a massive reflex defense." I spent the destiny point. <laughs> well, that, the funny thing was, is uh, it'd be very, very hard. It's a really high DC, and he said, "Is it destiny point hard?" And we all just laughed. <laughs> and knowing, yeah. and you frowned. You were like, "Damn it, he's going to hit it automatically." I was like, "He's going to automatically." And then it was like, "Yeah, that's perfect. That's that's brilliant. Let's let's go with it. All right, kill it." <laughs> and uh, and and you did. And that's actually going to alter because at that point I was like, "Okay, yep, it seems it seems like she's going to get away with this," and that's actually going to alter the story of the campaign slightly, which is a good thing. Um, that's a marvelous thing, actually. It gives the players the opportunity to influence and not be stuck on railroad tracks, so to speak. So right. I'm a huge, huge. Would, would you imagine if that was, you know, a, a full Wizards of the Coast type, you know, module out there, and it, and then they were they were they were on three, and then it's written into four. What does the GM do if on three somebody does something like that that's completely unexpected? Hey, it happens, man. You know, it, you've it got happens to all the disregard time. a whole section of number four because it's no longer there. Yeah, well, really good mods will publish. We'll usually have things like, you know, if your players did this, do this. And if your players did this, well, this person might be available, and so on and so forth. Um, I think it was just hilarious. I, th I think I've shared the story um, on the forums about how uh, I, was, <laughs> I was jamming a Dawn of Defiance Which is Wizards of the Coast, you know, officially licensed, uh, obviously, uh, modules. And this was uh, – I'm, I'm going to try and avoid any spoilers here, guys. I know some of you haven't played this, so I don't want to say anything specific. But in the second – module at the very beginning uh, the players are introduced to a very powerful npc that they have to have interactions with throughout the entire rest of the module and even into some into following modules and in that very first encounter um despite overwhelming odds my players decide to go jabberwocky and try and kill the npc and um it you know great what do you what do you do at that point i mean you're totally off the module there's nothing you can do there's no way the npc is ever going to be amiable towards that party and literally i took the module paperwork i threw it over my shoulder and it's like all right guys let's play it out yep <laughs> and um you know it they they died 
<laughs> rather horribly, I might add. Um, but it was it was pretty darn funny at the time, and the players sure had fun. And one of my players afterwards um, came up to me and said, you know, hey, man, uh, we deserve that TPK. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, but you guys had fun, and that's what's really important about it. Right. So, I mean, yeah, but it happens, man. It happens all the time. You're absolutely right. Yep. Okay, so speaking of that, we have yeah. – um, actually, I have a couple of other uh, housekeeping things when it comes to modules and things of that nature. On, the, ah. on our forum, somebody said, hey, you guys need to put this out into modular form, and, and, and somebody said the D20 print shop needs to come out. All right, first off, we can't. We cannot – you know, publish and bind and sell these this this episode because there is no open gaming license for Star Wars Saga Edition, yeah. right? Yeah, we'd get in trouble. Yeah, but here's what we're gonna do. I am attempting to secure um, uh, go out and get a copy or buy a copy of uh, Adobe Illustrator, which is the only Adobe product I think I don't own that I need to do this properly with uh, with some graphics that you've made up and and uh, whatnot. But anyway. I'm going to make it into a PDF. We are going to make it into a PDF. Yes. So we cannot charge you for this PDF. Bottom line, we're going to give it away free. Yes, it will be available for free download on the d20radio.com website um, for any and all who want it. Right. And so keep in mind, you know, people will have been reading about what we do because we're going to put it out there. So, you know, you may have some spoilers if you plan on GMing it, but... You know, we'll have character sheets, character blocks, the whole bit for all this, and you know, we will, we will basically give it away. Now, the things we're going to ask in return is you cannot turn around and charge somebody else if you want, no. because you know, we we can't we can't force anyone to pay for it, nor can we, you know, but we do have to say you you guys cannot. This is the kind of thing that's going to wind up going all over the world because the, Hope, the response hopefully. the response to this campaign has been enormous yeah it has but it's more than that there, i mean this is just me and you we have a great community out there and there are a lot of people that are involved in our community a lot of our moderators a lot of our regular posters that are some pretty brilliant gaming minds right um i would you know if, if you guys have any any of your own work any of your own modules that you've set up in pdf or, or you know other other format that you want to distribute to people that you want to get out there i would not at all be opposed to you know uh, allowing d20 radio to to host that for you and to get that information out so if you have something you guys want to share if you have a module you've created if you have uh, classes uh, feats talents anything that you want to get out there for people to use free of charge and get it out there let us know. You can email us, uh, gmdave at d20radio.com, or myself, gmchris at d20radio.com. You can give us a call at the Lose Line, uh, 206-600-5872, um, where you can leave a voicemail question uh, or you know uh, bumpers of that nature or get things out there, or you can you know get on the forums and register. If we can use this community to spread the love of this gaming system in any fashion, I'm all for that. That's right. Okay, second announcement. We are very close to brokering a deal that will hopefully land us at a convention, not our own convention, mind you, but we will certainly try and have a presence at Star Wars Fan Days, which is, uh, what, October 25th and October 26th, 2008. Yes. This is not a gaming convention, guys. This is a Star Wars convention. Yes. This is a Star Wars sci-fi kind of convention. They... 
do not currently have plans for gaming. However, they might now. They might now, yeah. We, yeah. I mean, they, we, I mean, Dave was great enough to approach him about this, you know, because they don't have any gaming events going on there. And honestly, I really don't know why. Um, yeah. So neither, neither did you. Yeah. So we approached you know, them, and they've seemed pseudo receptive to the idea. So we're gonna try to set it up. There's gonna be there will be somebody from Lucas actually there, and some other people. But um, as of yet, we're just in the exploratory stages. But you know, we're the the idea is to piggyback off another con to get us started but for those of you that are wanting to or have the ability to come to dallas this is actually in plano which is a suburb of dallas october 25 26 and what we will do is probably the friday before we will have a little d20 meetup and obviously we'll have a live version of the show going on that weekend at the convention Anyway, we, we haven't come up with the actual plans yet because we haven't been formally invited or given a press credential or whatever. But, Not yet. You know, I mean, with with what now is approaching 600 listeners weekly to the podcast, um, 100,000 page views a month, I mean, those are our stats, and they're solid. So, yeah. you know, we are we are as big a podcast as, you know, as a lot of people have seen. So... You know, much to our surprise, I might add, because we've been doing this what four or five months now. I know it. This this is just insane. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. And so you know, we've got we've got the stats to back it up, and hopefully, you know, they'll be receptive and they'll allow us in with uh, with some manner of press credential, and we'll be able to have a meetup and a little D twenty radio section and the whole bit. I hope so. And even if not, man, I'm going to this con as a civilian if I have to. Right. And if any of you guys are coming out there. I will meet with you. We will find a table in an alleyway. We will roll a game if we have to. We will go out, get a cold beer or soda pop for those who do not wish to have the beer, (laughs) and uh, have some fun either way. But from what you said, Dave, about the growth of this community, I just want to take the time and, gosh, I just want to thank our listener base. This is just truly amazing, What the support you guys have given us. And uh, it it really is something else. I think you'll agree with me, Dave. We're at kind of a tipping point right now. Um, Our... Our, I mean, we're, we're, we're very close to, you know, getting pushed over and having this cast and this community um, get really, really, really large. Right. Um, and that's a really amazing thing to, to see. And I know a lot of you guys out there, you've been telling everyone you know about this cast. There's, you know, there's only one way we're getting new listeners, you know, <laughs> and the listener base is growing every week. Um, so I would ask that you please just keep it up. If you like this cast and you like what we do, um, tell your friends about it. Tell your gaming buddies about it. A lot of you are forum uh you know, members all over the place, put a link to us in your online SIG, okay, yeah, if you can. Um, let people know about the Order, about, about this community and about the Order 66 podcast. Um, you know, it's, it's our community, it's your community more importantly, um, and you make it what it is, we do what you want to do. So, if you're a fan of it, let it show. Let it show. Yep. Let it show. By golly. And remember to, you know, throw a little love our direction every once in a while. Because we do enjoy feedback. We love playing it on the show. We absolutely do. So please, give us a call on the loser line. Email us and uh, tell us your love. Tell us your questions. Remember, this show is all about what you want it to be about. So on that note, shall we move on to a brief discussion of Threats of the Galaxy? I don't know. We're already at an hour of this podcast. Ooh. And Ooh. so I'm thinking that maybe we produce it on the fly. Alert, alert. Maybe we just move into docking bay and and uh, leave threats for next week and 
We can. I do want to talk about one brief thing. Though. Okay, let's go. If we can. Um, if, 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 we, if we move threats into next week, we can do that. We'll give a really comprehensive review of threats. And, I mean, seriously, a lot of the talents, a lot of the feats, a lot of the, the, the baddies that are in there. But as one of my new favorite people, uh, Professor Randy Pausch has said, and if you haven't checked out the last lecture, do yourself a favor and YouTube it. It'll change the way you think. Um, if there's an elephant in the room, go ahead and introduce it to everybody. So let's talk about the main quandary with this book. And, you know, several episodes ago, we had Rodney Thompson on the, on the podcast to talk about this uh, the weekend before the book released, if you recall. Yep. And, um, you know, we all got really excited about it, and Rodney's very excited about it. Well, since the release, there's been a lot of, a lot of I guess, what would you say, Dave, controversy? I'd say backlash um, almost. Almost backlash regarding the book. In particular, the editing of the book. Um, personally, I, I find this to be an amazing resource, and I've made my opinion known. But there are some editing issues with the book. In particular, the stat blocks. Um, a lot of it, you know, it took the it took the Watsi forum uh, forum goers approximately six minutes to pick apart the book in every piece and detail. And what they discovered is that a large portion, um, about a third of the stat blocks that are in this book, have some minor error in them somewhere, whether it be a, a base attack bonus that's off by a number, which is usually often what it is, you know, or a, a skill that they are trained in and shouldn't be trained in, um, or a hit point that's extra and shouldn't be there, um, or in some cases, big stuff like talents that shouldn't be there. And people were pretty, pretty peeved about it. Um, and so I want to take a time to talk about, because we've had some questions about, okay, should I buy the supplement? Should I do it? I want to take some time to talk about this. I think, and maybe, maybe chime in, Dave. Let me know if you could agree or disagree with me on this. I don't think the editing errors that are there, disappointing though they are, okay, are invalidate this resource for a gamer or for a GM. Um, I can tell you, I mean, I picked up this book designing this past module we ran, okay, and literally, I mean, I used three templates out of it, all right? I mean, when I, when I can just pick it up and go, oh, there's a thug, oh, there's a, a slicer, great, okay, oh, there's a ship captain, wonderful, and it, it just made a whole lot of sense, and it was a lot easier. These, these quote-unquote errors that are in there, I don't really care. It's, okay, I mean, I, I don't notice it, my players don't notice it. If it doesn't invalidate the CL of the of the, the threat in the book, if it, if it doesn't, you know, I mean, it, it, it being, it, having it be there, does it make sense for the character? That's my primary concern. But I get a lot of heat because I'm one of these people that don't believe that NPCs and beasts and threats should be designed using the same rules as characters. I think it should be a little different a la second edition D and D where, you know, it's just, here it is. It, this is how it works. It's balanced. Um, you know, uh, revised core rules and uh, for Star Wars and third edition D and D took big steps, or in some people's opinion, back steps in the uh, gaming community and the way games are structured by making it to where it was same design elements on both ends of the GM screen, both sides. And sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. But all in all, I don't think it's an issue for this particular book. It doesn't change my opinion of this book, and I think it's a marvelous resource. What do you think, Dave? I'm thinking the same thing. Now, the editing, from my perspective, you know, because we're both in, we're both in software, so, uh, or IT now, so there is a lot of documentation that goes along on the backside of creating something. Yeah. You know, whereas we would, we would, we would put up our process flows and do all that stuff on the front end and then write all our, all our stuff and then go back and do the documentation. Um, so that part of it, 
I, I from from a pr- production standpoint and from a publishing standpoint, I can understand how the documentation details are left to the end, and some of them get missed. It always happens. So I don't have that big of a problem with it. I tend to think a little bit more, what would you say, in a broad manner. I, I, I'm yeah. not as detail-oriented when it comes to NPCs as some of the other purists out there that have to have it a certain way, and it has to make sense, and it has to be exactly within RAW. Well, you know, guess what? It's not always going to be that way. I give them a certain degree of latitude. That being said, some of the errors are fairly obvious. Yeah. Oh, probably should have been caught. Yeah. But, you know, it, that doesn't have anything to do with Rodney. You know, that doesn't have anything to do with any particular, you know, I, I thought I heard yeah, that it, they, outs- yeah. they, they outsourced the editing for this. Well, sure. Well, that's very common in the industry. But, I mean, it pisses me off because there was, there was people, not on our forums, but on forums around there that were calling Rodney Thompson out on this. And I'm, I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Are you joking? You think, you think this individual, the author of the book, has any time to, to do the main editing for it? It was, it was just a little silly. Um, yeah. So I, I just found that kind of, that was, I don't know, kind of odd. Just about as far out of left field as blaming Gary Gygax. For yeah, for <laughs> for, for the suckiness of fourth edition, if you, yeah, it's pretty yeah that far removed. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's pretty interesting. Also, I think the perhaps the lax editing on this had a lot to do with the fact that I think Watsi is pouring almost all of their resources in the past few months into Dungeons and Dragons fourth edition. Right. And it really doesn't surprise me that the redheaded stepchild that is Star Wars, which it yeah. has always been for Watsi, right. right. um, kind of got left out on the cold. A little bit. Yeah, so it, it, it kind of gives us our place in the galaxy, so to speak, that we are we are the second product, and we yeah. know we're the second product for, for Wizards yeah. of the Coast, but, um, you know, without disparaging Wizards, because that's not our intent here, you know, you get what you, I mean, throughput is only as good as input, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if, if the resources are being spent on a higher priority project then obviously your higher priority project should be should be better so you know the three books assuming that's even what's happening well yeah i'm and but i dude i if i don't know if they have because i haven't picked up the three four fourth edition books but if they have stat blocks in the monster manual i guarantee you those are not wrong probably not no probably not um and so yeah that, that, that could be it now having said that though Really, uh, this is this is the best resource I have picked up for this game yet. Right. Period. Right. Um, oh yeah, that's it's great. That, that's my opinion. I still stand by it. It's such a great tool to use when you're making a game, guys. I mean, think about that and the overall perspective. You know, so so a base attack bonus is off by one. You know, how often is that going to matter? And I well, I understand the point of view. If if I spend you know, thirty five bucks on something, I don't want it to be. You know, I I don't I don't want to have to buy an errata for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I understand the point of view. But at the same token, it doesn't invalidate the resource. But no. we're going to be spending a lot more time on the resource next episode. We're already running very long here. And literally, we have broken the cardinal rule of this cast, um, which I'm, I just find t- I'm finding it very tickly- ticklish that we have, which is you've literally sat here and listened to two geeks talk about their characters for an hour. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> and uh, with that, uh, you want to move on to D20 Docking Day, Dave? Okay. Because it's a good one. Sure. Does that necessitate a phone call, though? Oh, it just might necessitate a phone call if you think if we, if we can get a hold of of, uh, of TK. I mean, it, you know, the guy's never at his post. The guy is never at his post. 
All right. Well, we'll give it a shot. TK421. What? Oh, doggone it. Hold on. Let me turn on my communicator here. <laughs> Might help. TK421. Are you there, sir? Well, hey, guys. How you just doing? Wow. See, last week I told you that we were going to cut you off if you didn't show up. And, wow. Here you are. Yeah. Well, you know, I take y'all's messages to heart, son. You know, I, I'm learning. I'm getting better. I know I got some problems I got to work on. But my parole officer, you know, he tells me, you know, with hard work and, and some good timing, you can overcome just about anything. <laughs> okay. I didn't know they had parole yeah. officers in the Empire, but... Oh, hell, man. What do you think half our jobs is? <laughs> All right. Flying while intoxicated. <laughs> yeah, I guess, man. Astrogating well, while now. intoxicated, right? <laughs> okay. yeah, well, I'm trying, I'm trying to stay off the sauce, man. I'm trying to straighten up and get a little, uh, a little, a little better out there, man, and just try not to, not to, <clears throat> you know, be, be on the straight and narrow. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's where I'm trying to be right now. I'm, I'm getting a little worried, son. Uh, just a little, a little, little tad worried, man. Um, I, I don't know, man. You know, you know, I grew up hearing about these, these Jedi. You ever hear them Jedi? Sure, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, you know, I figure, you know, we, they, they, they betrayed us all and, you know, tried to kill the fine emperor and, uh, and, you know, so we, 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 we took them out, you know, but there are these folks running around, right? And, and they're, they're, they're working for the emperor and the empire, and, but, but they're using these lightsaber swords, right? Right. And it just kind of scares me just a little bit, man. You know, I thought we'd taken these, these scary folk out, but they're, you know, they're still here, man, so... I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of taking some precaution, if you catch my meaning. Sure. Uh, I'm a, I'm over on Narshida, I'm on shore leave uh, this week, and I'm trying to score myself some, some cortosis. Have you heard of this stuff? Yes, I have, as a matter of fact. Oh, man, well, from what what they tell me, and from, from what the little Tordarian told me about this stuff does, what it does is, if you keep it in your pocket, and you rub it, it makes them Jedi folk disappear. <laughs> it's not like a genie bottle or something like that, fool. Well, I don't know nothing about that stuff, you know, but gosh darn it, if it can keep them away, that's kind of what I want. So I'm looking for some of this stuff. I'm asking around, but, you know, I'm I'm not trained to gather information, so not too many people are talking to me. I, I've been here most of my short leave, and I've already managed to lose most of my uh, month's salary on Sabbath and, uh, and Karelian whiskey, but... Uh, you know, I, I, I'm still looking. I'm sure I can score some of this uh, cortosis stuff pretty soon. You know, right. you know, maybe maybe it'll help me in gambling too. I don't know if I it, really it, hard. Who knows? It might give you, give that little gauntlet a good bang on the table. See what happens. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, anyway, Hose, I, I gotta go. I, you know, I'm on short leave, so I kind of wanna 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 don't waste my time too much. But uh, it was good talking to y'all, and, and wish me luck, man. I'm gonna keep looking. All right. Good luck. You know. I hope you I hope you find it. Alright, later hoser. Later on, TK. Bye TK. So what'd you um what'd you make of that? He's uh he's looking for the uh, Cortosis gauntlet out of uh, Threats of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't think it works quite the way he thinks it does, but um I can see where lesser minds may have uh considered it as such. Uh Indeed. so uh, this should lead us into a beautiful question for our D20 Docking Bay. D20 
20 docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Okay, right. we're in the docking bay, my man. We are, and this docking bay is brought to you by Donovan Morningfire, uh, one of our uh, mods and a prolific poster on our forums. And I found this rather appropriate, um, considering that we were going to talk about Threats of the Galaxy today. <laughs> and thank you guys, uh, by the way, for letting us uh, throw show notes out the window and uh, make some, uh, some production uh, changes um, so we can be geeks about our game. That was a lot of fun. But Dono had a question about one of the new items in Threats of the Galaxy, the Cortosis Gauntlet. And Donovan says, For those of us that have read Threats of the Galaxy, uh, a neat new item is the Cortosis Gauntlet, which allows you to ready an action to intercept an opponent's lightsaber made, blade by making an unarmed attack. If your attack is successful, the lightsaber gets shorted out, but you still take damage. And if the other guy has Severing Strike, you could also be short one hand. So here's my question. Say a character with the Cortosis Gauntlet also has the block talent or deflect attacks from my house rules, shameless file, from my house rules file, shameless plug. If you guys haven't seen Dono's house rules, they're awesome. Um, and an ignited lightsaber. Since the wording on block is that it negates the damage of the attack and not the attack itself, which was also clarified by Gary Sarley in the past, um, that you could use block in tandem with the gem so talent, would you then be able to use the Cortosis Gauntlet trick and take no damage? So... In essence, could you uh, block with your Cortosis Gauntlet and, you know, wink out that lightsaber, but still take no damage from it? Interesting. Uh, well, let's let's review a few things. This is a very interesting quandary, Dono. Uh, let's review a couple things before we delve into it. For our listeners not aware, uh, the block talent, uh, which is page 41 of the cool rulebook, allows you to make a use the force check as a reaction to negate a melee attack made against you. But obviously, you don't use it unless the attack hits you just negate the damage of the attack, as Jedi Counselor Gary Sarley clarified. Uh, this relates to another question, which Gary also covered. If a character blocks an attacking Vibro Axe, or even an unarmed strike, which are all perfectly legal, legal things to block, with his lightsaber, which ignores DR, wouldn't the blocked weapon take damage from the lightsaber? And as Gary put it, the answer was no. Why? Well, two reasons. One, game balance. It would make lightsabers far too powerful. They're already pretty cool. Two, the attacking character knows that they're being blocked by a lightsaber, and they're not going to let their weapon come into contact with it. It's kind of like pulling up at the last minute, so to speak. And more importantly, the same thing applies in reverse. If the attacker is wielding a lightsaber, and the defender is blocking with his unarmed strike or with a stun baton, the defending weapon, uh, you know, that stun baton or unarmed strike, whatever, still takes no damage. You know, maybe you're blocking at the hilt, maybe you're grabbing their hand, whatever. Either way, a blocker is not going to allow himself to take damage. That would kind of defeat the purpose of the talent. This is very important, but we'll get there. The Cortosis Gauntlet, as Dono explains, a wearer can ready an action to intercept a lightsaber attack. So you ready an action, and when a lightsaber attack comes, you make an opposed unarmed attack roll versus the lightsaber attack roll. Literally, you're trying to grab the lightsaber blade as it hits you. So what if you used the block talent with a Cortosis Gauntlet? Well, just as a lightsaber wouldn't damage a vibroax or a fist blocking it, the same logic applies. Uh, the blocked lightsaber wouldn't touch the gauntlet um, in the same way it wouldn't damage a combat glove or a hand. Thus, the gauntlet doesn't run the risk of putting out a lightsaber in this fashion. 
And that's just my two cents based on the rules as written and the rulings that have come out. It would make the Cortosis Gauntlet a wee bit too powerful for what it is. Um, and in addition, it would function differently than any other weapon would function with the block talent. Right. So I see no reason to do that. Yep. So, Pretty much, that's man. That's my two cents. Well, there you go. And there we go. <laughs> so as we move in the next week, and some of you are just going to hate our podcast this week because we didn't get into crunch and meat. Well, we had some good mail call and some good D20 docking bay. And yeah. uh, finally, uh, in, in deference to some of our posters on the forums, have, have talked a little bit about role-playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we kind of did. And we talked about our campaign, which we've had a lot of people asking about our campaign. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's great. We, uh, you know, we did, we did talk a little bit about you know, good games going bad. I mean, and that that's a that's not just that's using our real world example to potentially help you as you engineer your game out there in Gamer Nation. Pretty much. But if you guys have further questions that you want us to take a look at, answer, please send them to us. Email us at gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com. Call us at the LUSA line, L-U-S-A, 206-600-5872. Or get to the forums at d20radio.com slash forum. Sign up, speak your mind, become a member of the Gamer Nation. That's right. That's right. So until next week, which is Father's Day. Ah, yes. I might add. So <laughs> I don't know when we'll do the cast on Father's Day because that's kind of a big day for me. It is. But we will, and it will be for you very soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> See, the funny thing is, I told my sister-in-law uh, during Mother's Day, just on a quip, I said, uh, you know, this is going to be the last Mother's Day you celebrate without being a mother. And she looked at me, and I don't know, she had this look on her face, and then two weeks later, she told me, you know, I was pregnant, and I hadn't told anybody. Uh, I was like, maybe, wow. maybe you're Maybe you're psychic. Wow, that was really cool. But yeah, so my sister-in-law is pregnant, and that's a great thing. And I congratulated them, and she's due. Good for them. I don't remember when she's due. Uh, January something or other. So, yeah, that's yeah. It's awesome, man. It's another miracle. Oh yeah, so. joyness, happiness ensues. All right, <laughs> enough about us, Gamer Nation. Until next week for episode number twenty-two. We'll talk to y'all later. On peace, love, and good gaming. Yeah, and keep them dice rolling. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at StarWars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at Wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related websites, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Hey, love the show! Woo!